we are going to be jumping into 1 Thessalonians. So 1 Thessalonians, a book that not a lot of people talk about. It's not one that like, it's not like one of the big ones. Most of the time you're about Ephesians, Galatians, you know, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. But you don't hear a lot about 1 Thessalonians. And I think there was, I was, when I was getting this ready, I was like, I feel like we've done 1 Thessalonians fairly recently. Was anybody around when we did it on Sunday mornings? Does anybody remember that? Oh, good. This, is, this makes me feel a lot better. It was like three years ago, so uh, thanks, uh, Ellie. It's just you and me, so just you and me. So it was like three years ago. Uh, oh, did you raise your hand too? I didn't see. Sorry, I said. Uh, some of you guys have been around for three years. Some of you have been around for three months. So, but I think either way, hopefully this will be helpful. This study has been helpful for me, at least, as I've been preparing. So the series, we're calling it Pleasing to God. Um, There are some of us all in this room that are all in different places of life. We're all in different uh, phases of our walk with God, phases of our walk with Jesus. Some of you guys, you're fairly fresh. Like you just heard about the, you just heard the gospel. You just came to faith. You're excited to grow. You're excited to jump in to find community. And you want to know what you can do next. And that's good. There's some of you guys that might be sitting here that have never heard the gospel, that don't know about Jesus and what he's done on the cross, or at least you haven't decided to put your faith in him. And I am super glad you're here. If that's where you are at, I'm glad you're here tonight. I hope you keep coming back. I hope you jump in with us. I I love that. There's some of you guys that maybe have been a follower of Jesus for a long time. Maybe you've been, uh, this is like, year 23 of being like a believer. That's kind of where I'm at. And uh, you've been following Jesus for a long time. Doesn't really matter where you're at. It doesn't really matter where you are going, what's next in life. We're all called to grow closer to God. That's the call that we're supposed to have. That's the call that we're supposed to follow up with, that we're supposed to jump into. And so when we talk about learning about what it looks like to live a life pleasing to God, 1 Thessalonians is very much so about that. Now, when I think about my life, when I'm examining and thinking about what does, where am I at? What does my relationship look like? There's like three questions that I typically ask myself. And uh, I have this clicker. I'm going to try it, Ellie, and see if this works. So, oh. That's cool. Uh, so I always, I like to ask myself these three reflection questions when I kind of want to get a like base point or a jumping off point for where I'm at. And I'll ask myself, how often am I diving into the word and going to God in prayer? How eager am I to worship God? And what does dependence on God look like for me? Now, when you see these things, when you hear them, Hear me when I say this. These are not determiners of your, where, like whether you have faith or not. These are not determiners of your salvation. These are not determiners of like, oh, am I actually going to heaven? That's not what these questions are. So if you ask these questions and maybe you're not satisfied with the answer, that's not, what the, that's not the purpose of these. The purpose of these questions is to look at yourself and be introspective and see where am I at? What does my look? What does my life look like? What does my faith look like? And am I truly following God to the best that I can? And that's what. So when we have these things, ask your question. Ask yourself these questions. See where you're at. 
There will be a time in your small groups where you'll get an opportunity to like really ask yourself, where, where am I at when it comes to these questions? Where am I at when it comes to faith? And I think there's some of us that we want to look at this and we're like, all right, there's pl- ways that I need to grow. There's places I need to go. But there's also value in celebrating where you are at, where God has brought you. And I think a lot of times we get nervous. So when I was trying to think of like an example for this, I was thinking about movies and stories where like the lead character is super cocky. Like they know they're the best. They don't need to improve. They are like, oh, I'm on top. And for some reason, I don't know if this was the Holy Spirit or what, but Cars was the only movie that popped into my head. So I feel like we can all reflect and understand that, right? Lightning McQueen, he's on top, he's top dog, he knows he's the best, and all of a sudden he winds up in this town where they won't let him go until he learns, learns his lesson effectively. He learns on that track to turn into that skid, right? And he kind of is brought down and humbled a little bit. And I think most of the time we don't want to be Lightning McQueen, for the sake of the illustration. So what does it look like to balance? What does it look like to say, I need to grow more, but I want to also celebrate my victories? Well, when we look at 1 Thessalonians, that is what is happening here. That's what Paul is doing for the Thessalonian church. He's saying, you guys are doing really good, so don't stop. Don't stop what you're doing. And so we are going to be looking at what it looks like to live a life pleasing to God for the, at least the up until the spring is over. So before we do that, though, I want to talk about what is 1 Thessalonians. What is 1 Thessalonians? So we should jump into this and kind of figure out together what this means. So remember, Paul, if you know who Paul is, he would write letters to churches that really needed some guidance, that needed some help, that needed to say, all right, you guys are a church, you guys are doing what you're, you guys should be doing what you're supposed to be doing, but here's ways to fix things. Here's ways to approve. And most of the time, Paul was writing because churches were messing up. They were doing something wrong. They were, they had like, there was a problem. Usually it was pretty specific, so he was trying to address it. But this is unique. This is a different kind of letter. Think to yourself right now, maybe you have a boss right now or maybe you had a boss at some point where when you got an email, a text, a phone call that said, hey, can you come to my office? Your like heart started beating really fast and you're like, I don't know what's about to happen. Am I gonna get fired? What did I do wrong? How much money did I spend? Did I actually turn in that receipt? Maybe that's just personal for me. But uh, there, I remember when I first started here when I was the resident on staff, me and Pastor Rick were kind of, we're separated by a few different levels. Like, He was doing stuff on Sunday morning. I was doing stuff with the youth group. There was a distance. And Pastor Rick is a very friendly person. And he can also be kind of intimidating if you look at him, you know? And so I remember the first time I got an email from Pastor Rick that said, can you pop in my office? And there's me, fresh out of college, like, oh, gosh, what did I do? Then I'm going to the head pastor's office. And I was, like, freaking out. Anxiety, like, kicked into overdrive kind of thing. And... When we're thinking about this letter, when the Thessalonians got this, it was probably something like that. Like, dang it, what did we do wrong? Like, what, is, what, do, what did we do to deserve this? And much like when I showed up to Pastor Rick's office and he said, Alex, uh, close the door behind you. And he shut the door. And then he walked past me and hanging on the back of the door was a hook with a free jacket. And he's like, do you want this jacket? And I said, 
Yes, as I wipe the sweat off my forehead. <laughs> and uh, that's what is effectively happening here. Paul is not writing this letter to yell at them. He's not yell- writing this letter to punish them. He's writing this letter to say, you're doing a really good job. So keep it up. Keep being better. Keep pursuing God. And so today, before we jump into like the book as a whole, we're going to look at chapter one, and we're just going to kind of see what this intro looks like. So this book starts out very, in a very similar way to how Paul starts most of his letters. He says, Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy, to the church of the Thessalonians, in God the Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace to you and peace. This is pretty normal. It's a pretty normal start. This is pretty much how he writes uh, his letters. And Paul, if you know Paul, he's the famous one out of this. He wrote a good chunk of the New Testament. He's like a big contributor to the Bible. He's got a whole story that I don't have time to get into. But he's a pretty important person. And then there's Timothy. This is the person that he is discipling. He's saying, I'm going to teach you what it looks like. I'm going to raise you up to be a leader in the church. And there's some letters that are written to him from Paul. And then Silvanus, you probably don't know who that is. It's actually the Roman name for Silas. And Silas, you see him throughout the uh, New Testament as well. He's with Luke at one point. He was with Paul on his uh, missionary journeys in which he, or this missionary journey in which he went to the Thessalonian church. So to give you a little bit of context, Paul was with these people that ultimately helped achieve and get this letter to them, all right? So when Paul was on this missionary journey, he, was, he encountered the Thessalonian church. So we are going to keep reading to see how he wanted to respond to them, what he had to say. It says, starting in verse 2, we give thanks to God always for all of you, constantly mention you in our prayers, remembering before our God and Father your work of faith and labor of love and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers, loved by God, that he has chosen you because our gospel came to you not only in word, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. You know what kind of men we proved to be among you for your sake. Paul is looking at them and reflecting on what God has done for them, on God's faithfulness for them. So when he's praying for the Thessalonian church, he's thinking about all the ways that they're actually doing what they're supposed to be doing, how they're actually doing things well, they're actually doing things right, and how they have great faith in God that he's doing what he's supposed to do, that he is going, that Jesus is going to return. He then recognizes two different ways that God has impacted them, that God has impacted their faith. The first one is through the word of God. So at the time, that would have been the the Old Testament, what we have now. They saw what God has done. They got to read. They got to hear. They got to respond to what God has done for his people. And then he recognizes the power of the Holy Spirit. He talks about the fact that the Holy Spirit convicted them pointed to them that this is, this gospel is for you. That you are sinners, that you, no, you don't follow God because of your sin, but because of Jesus, you have life. That's what the Holy Spirit was showing them. And Paul is celebrating that. Paul is celebrating that. And that's largely because God changes us first. 
before we can talk about growth, before we can talk about anything of what we get to do in our participation in it, we have to talk about the fact that God is the one that changes our hearts first. Paul is reflecting and celebrating the fact that God has sent his spirit so that in the midst of our sin, when we couldn't choose anything but sin, God changed our hearts so that we could see him. Before growth even comes on the table, we have to give God the glory that he deserves because of who he is, because of what he's done. Now it's true, we do get a, we do get a little piece. We get to participate in this, in this picture of what heart change looks like. We get to be the people that tell others about the gospel, right? We're called to do that. We get to walk alongside people as they grow. We get to be in community with other believers as they grow. But we would be ignorant to say that we had anything to do with changing somebody's heart, with changing and pointing somebody in the right direction because there needs to be a God. His sacrifice, his resurrection is the only thing that can point us towards true life, that can give us true life. And so it has to start with him. It has to start with the spirit. It's important to see that good heart change starts with him because then we can say, all right, I understand what these next steps look for when it comes to growth. So Paul is now recognizing and seeing the heart change and he's seeing evidence of what God is doing, the amazing things that God does because of that heart change. So we're gonna keep going. We're gonna start looking in uh, verse six here. It says, and you became imitators of us and of the Lord for you received the word in much affliction with the joy of the Holy Spirit so that you became an example to all believers in Macedonia and in Achaia. For not only has the word of the Lord sent forth from you in Macedonia and Achaia, but your faith in God has gone forth everywhere, so that we need not say anything. For they themselves report concerning us the kind of reception we had among you, and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God, and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus who delivers us from the wrath to come." So Paul started and recognized and said, I see what you have done. I see, God, what you have done in their hearts. Now look at where they went. Look at the direction that they went. Look where they, look where they are coming from. So he's saying, you were people that were unbelievers. You, had, you did not have a heart for God. And now you are an example of what it looks like to be faithful. That's a big jump. That's an achievement. He talks about uh, Macedonia and Achaia, right? And Macedonia is not the same Macedonia that's like 20 minutes north of here. That'd be pretty wild if it was, but it is not. Uh, that is actually is another part of the world completely. So you see this map here of Paul's second missionary journey. And to kind of zoom in a little bit of where we can see Thessalonica, we see Macedonia and Achaia. That those are the regions right around Thessalonica. That means that this church has had such an impact that people in the whole regions around them are hearing about the growth that they have, about what God has done, that their faith is having a resounding impact on everybody around them. That's huge. 
That's a big deal. He then recognizes some ways that they have exploded in their growth. He talks about how they turned to God from idols, that they turned away, that they no longer looked at the idols that took them over, the things that they worshiped originally. That they were eager to wait for the next coming of Christ. Part of this book, part of this narrative that comes up is they talk a little bit about what it, when is Jesus' return? What is that gonna look like? And Paul responds a little bit to that. And he also talks about how they knew the gospel. That they knew the gospel that gave them life, the gospel that saved them. And he outlines these different ways and he creates this picture for them so that they can see kind of what it looks like that you guys have grown. You guys have done something amazing. You've committed your life to following Jesus and you are doing even better. The fact that you are making this impact because the regions around you, the churches around you are hearing. Now, I don't know if this is exactly what Paul said because it's not written, but regardless, the church is being faithful there's this image from the very beginning of Acts. Do you guys like my uh, like low-res JPEGs that I, that I found for this talk? They're, all, they're real good, right? And in the beginning of Acts, it talks about the fact that as we are being faithful, we are supposed to go out to these expanding areas, to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. And whether the church in Thessalonica realizes what they're doing or not, they are being faithful to that account that they started in their hometown, that they went out a little bit bigger, a little bit more, that their faith is making such an impact that people are hearing about this, that churches are hearing about this, that other communities that aren't, don't believe in God are hearing about this. They're being faithful to what God is calling them to do. And whether Paul shared that with them or not, they're doing it. They are growing and they're not choosing to be stagnant. They're growing and they're not choosing to be stagnant. Recognize the impact that growth has on your faith. That when you grow, your faith gets so much bigger. Your faith in God, what you are willing to give to him, what you are willing to lean on him for gets so much greater. And that comes with growth. Now, when we think about this for ourselves, I want us to examine what it looks like to grow in our faith. Now, when we think about like a snowball, when you think about making like a big snowball, if you're putting together a snowman, right? Like you, uh, it starts out small, like you might be like packing it together, rolling it on the ground as it's getting bigger and bigger. And the more you roll it, the more it starts to get more snow packed on. That's the science behind it, right? I obviously did great in science class. And so when you start, when you get it and you can push it up to a hill, when you push it down the hill, it's gonna just go faster and faster and start to pick up more and more snow until the point when it gets to the bottom and it's really packed. And as it's going down the hill, it might wobble and it might kind of like get a little, a waver a little bit, but if you follow it down, if you track it down, it's not going to necessarily fall apart when it hits the bottom. And so as we go through this book, as we go through this series, think about your faith like that snowball. 
that as you grow, as you continue to pack more and more in your life, as you continue to dig into God's word, to, to go with these pieces of life and put your faith and trust in him, that snowball is going to get bigger and bigger. And it's going to get wobbly. It's going to get hard. It's going to be hard to have faith sometimes. But when, when you have growth, your faith will ultimately show what it looks like to really trust God, to really trust God. And so what I want us to do is to keep the momentum, to keep the momentum. There's a few different ways that I want us to do this as we're going through the series. Recognize that your faith has an impact. Recognize that your faith has an impact. When you think about what God has done in your life, when you show others that, that has an impact on people. If you think about people that aren't believers, that aren't followers of Christ, that you could be the one to go and show somebody the opportunity of life. That's huge. We've been talking about that on Sunday mornings. If you've been joining us, for, we've been, uh, we're talking about being on mission. We have our on mission board back here that we have the opportunity to tell others about Jesus, the one that gave us life. That's saving someone's life. That's you being faithful to what God has called you to do. Think about the people around you. Think about what they might see when they look at you. What if they looked at you and said, that's, that's the guy that worships really hard on Sundays. That's, that's, that's the girl that she, she can, I know she, I can trust her. I know I can confide in her. I know she's praying for me. What if your impact, what if your faith had such an impact that when somebody looked at you, they said, I know that person is following faithfully or as faithfully as they can be. Recognize your faith has an impact, whether it's on believers or unbelievers. The next thing I want us to do is to celebrate this, what the Spirit has done. I think sometimes we can get super critical about ourselves. Like, we take ourselves very, very seriously. And so when we look at ourselves, when we examine our life, it's really good to say, man, this is an area where I'm not doing super great. I need to grow in that area. Sometimes, though, that goes to the point where it's just, all right, I grew in this area. What's next on the list? What if instead what, we stopped for a minute and gave God the glory that he deserves, pointed back to him and said, you did this for me. You changed my life. What if we stopped? What if we, when we came on Sunday mornings, we had that opportunity to sing together as a church instead of reflecting and thinking about what can I be doing better right now? What if you just honestly put that all behind you just for a few minutes and just raise your hands and gave him the glory he deserved? Paul is reflecting for the church and saying, God did amazing things for you. And we could be doing the same thing. The last thing is don't stop. Don't stop. Throughout this book, Paul is going to outline what it looks like to live a life that's pleasing to God. To say, you guys are doing an awesome job. You are doing great. And that doesn't mean you should slow down, but that means you should keep going. And I think it's easy for us to reflect and say, I read my Bible most mornings. I pray most of the time. I pray with people sometimes. I come to Next every Tuesday. I come to church every Sunday. I'm doing fine. I'm doing good. 
What if instead of just saying that and stopping there, we kept the momentum and kept running? What if we kept pushing that snowball more and more so that it kept gaining more traction, it kept gaining more growth? And instead of saying, I'm good where I'm at, I said, what can I do to give God more glory? What could I do on top of what I'm already doing to praise him? Now, I do realize that I don't want to be ignorant. We're all in different places here. So that's going to look different for us. Some of us are feeling that life is really hard right now. That you are not doing, that you don't feel like things are going really well. And I want to encourage you that in the midst of that, in the midst of seeking God out, continue to seek growth in in that. Continue to see God working, or at least try to, prayerfully seek to. You have people that sit all around you. You have people in your small groups that are willing to sit with you and pray with you and talk with you. You have small group leaders that would, I know for a fact, if you came to them and said, can you pray for me? They would be overjoyed. That's like what they wait for. I would love to pray for you. But there are people around you that want you to grow. We don't want you to, we don't want you to sit and say, this isn't for me. No, we want to see you, see God impact your faith for better. So as we continue this series, next week when uh, Zach jumps in a little bit deeper for us, we're going to get a chance to see a little bit of how the Thessalonians are living a life that is truly pleasing to God. And I hope that this was helpful, kind of giving you some of that context as you guys start to reflect a little bit in your small groups about what it truly looks like for me to say, where am I at my faith and what does it look like for me to grow? All right, so I'm gonna pray for you guys and then we're going to some small groups. Lord, I thank you for today. I thank you for the chance that we get to dive into your word, to dig in together. Ultimately, Lord, help us to see and give you glory for the change that you've given us. Help us to see and reflect on the fact that we ultimately get to jump in and dive in to study your word. And Lord, help us to grow whether we feel like life is really hard right now or we feel like life is going really well, help us to continue growing. Help us to keep the momentum and to continue to push forward to seek first your kingdom. And ultimately, Lord, I thank you for your son and his work on the cross. In your name I pray, amen.